Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect, filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Welcome to the show. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that is so important and is kind of the foundation of everything that I teach at Hopewell Health. So we are talking about the three pillars of a sustainable diet, and we're going to talk about how PEC plates and Tumac snacks, if you don't know what those are, don't worry. We will be talking about them plenty throughout this episode. But we're going to talk about how those two frameworks support those three pillars of a healthy diet. So let's just go ahead and get right into it. When we're talking about sustainability, the goal is sustainable habits that can produce maintainable results. That is what we're going for when we're looking at creating any type of lifestyle changes, especially in our diet. Because it can be really tempting to kind of dive all in, go in head first, try to change a bunch of different things, and then come out on the other side either feeling more confused or more discouraged. Um, And that's the opposite of what we want. And these three pillars of a sustainable diet are going to set you up to implement changes or just little tweaks in your diet that will actually produce habits that you're going to be able to keep up with long term. So let's talk about what they are. Three pillars of a sustainable diet, balance, nourishment, and satisfaction. These are all three separate concepts, but when we're creating meals and snacks, we want them all to kind of blend together seamlessly. So I'm going to talk about what each of them is, how you can know if you're missing one or the other, and then how PEC plates and Tumac snacks support these pillars. And we'll go through what PEC plates are, what Tumac snacks are, how to build them, how to feel comfortable doing that so that you can truly implement sustainability in your diet. All right, when we're looking at balance, this first pillar, what I'm really looking at is having an adequate amount of all three macronutrients in your diet and not only in your diet overall, but throughout your day. That's going to be a really important factor in being able to reach that point of satiation after your meals. And I'm going to talk about satiation versus satisfaction and how those two things kind of differ once we get to our third pillar, which is satisfaction. But while we're talking about balance, I think it's really important to just boil it down to when you're looking at your plate and you're asking yourself, is this balanced? Do you have all three macronutrients present. Macronutrients are protein, carbohydrates, and fats. I'm sure I'll do a future episode where we kind of deep dive into the three macronutrients and what they do and what they mean, but um, I'm going to keep it at this kind of basic overview at this point. So I have so many resources on my Instagram, and you can always message me if you want more information about the macronutrients, what they are, where to find them. 
protein. Generally, we're looking for like lean meats. Some plant-based sources would be some soy-based products like tofu or tempeh. For carbohydrates, there are multiple different types of carbohydrates. But really what I end up harping on with my clients, because I feel like people don't include these regularly enough, um, as in starting from the morning, going to the night, we're looking for starchy carbohydrates. So that's typically going to be complex carbs like potatoes, whole grain rice, bread, any other starchy vegetable like, like a winter squash, quinoa, things like that. Um, and then when we're talking about fats, again, I think it's important to look at plant-based fats because that's typically where people are lacking, plant-based and or seafood-based fats. So really, again, we're looking for monounsaturated fat to just focus on. And that's going to be things like olive oil, avocados, nuts, seeds, and also omega-3s. And that's going to be found in seafood and then also some nuts and seeds. Other forms of fat like saturated fat, that's typically not something that's missing from someone's diet if we're looking at making those dietary tweaks. Saturated fat comes from things like butter, fattier meats, cheese, dairy, and should make up, you know, about 10% of your overall intake, which would equate to about, you know, 25-ish grams of saturated fat a day. So when we're looking at fat, we're looking at the variety of those fat sources. And we really want to look at focusing on the incorporation of monounsaturated and and even polyunsaturated fats and omega-3s. Okay. So those are the three macronutrients. And those are the three elements we're going to be looking for on our plate when we're talking about this element of balance. Having all three macronutrients on your plate will help with the overall satiation factor of that meal, meaning you can feel full, but also disinterested from food when you're done with that meal. The other two elements are also very important in reaching that satiation point, but I think balance might be the most important in being able to get to that point. Okay, let's move on to our second pillar, which is nourishment. When I say nourishment, I'm talking about nutrient density. And a lot of these will have overlap. If you're picking kind of whole foods-based sources for your macronutrients, your protein, your carbohydrates, your fats, you're going to have a lot of overlap with this nourishment pillar where we're looking for nutrient density of our food choices. But they don't always overlap in that way, right? It's very easy to pick (laughs) some highly processed carbohydrate source that is lacking in nutrients that something more whole foods based would have higher amounts of. So they don't always overlap, but if you're looking at food quality when you're choosing your macronutrients, a lot of times this nourishment factor is going to come right along with that. So when we're looking at nutrient density, we're looking at how many nutrients are in this food compared to the calories that we're getting from this food. That's what nutrient density means. So fruits and vegetables (laughs) and even some lean meats, those are going to be our highest sources of nutrient density, meaning we're going to get the biggest, the largest, most variety of nutrients for the fewest amount of calories. So when we're looking at nourishment, it's a really important factor because we want to get the vitamins and minerals or as many vitamins and minerals as we can from our food and not have to look at trying to rely on supplementation 
to do that for us. Supplementation really in no way can do the job like getting your nutrients from food can. And really the easiest way to look at that is looking at your food quality. And so looking at the amount of your diet that's coming from highly processed sources versus more whole foods-based sources. It doesn't mean that there can't be a mix of those foods. If you follow me on social media, um, you see some processed foods that I incorporate in my diet, you know, on a daily basis. And processed foods are basically going to be a part of our daily diet at this point in where we are in our food industry. Almost everything is processed, even foods, you know, like canned or frozen fruits or vegetables. If any alteration is made to the food, that is it being processed. So seeing the word processed or thinking of a food as processed, that doesn't mean that it needs to be categorized as less nutrient dense. But you do need to look at things on a scale of nutrient density. So the more highly refined or highly processed something is, the more nutrients it typically loses. So we see this a lot when we're talking about grain-based products. Even things that come from whole grains, like (laughs) wheat-based breads, when you're talking about white bread versus whole grain wheat bread, that white bread has just been continued to be processed and lost many of its nutrients. It's lost its fiber content. It's lost some of the other vitamins and minerals that come with the, you know, whole wheat kernel. So white bread is not something that should be feared. It's still a source of carbohydrates, right? But if we're looking to increase nutrient density, then whole grain bread would be a better choice in that context um, if we're looking to increase our fiber, increase our micronutrient intake. There are, of course, times where you're not looking to increase your fiber. Like if you're looking for a quick source of carbohydrates before you go run a 5K, then (laughs) maybe white bread would be a better choice over wheat bread, right? So there is always nuance in the choice, but when we're looking at our diet overall to produce a sustainable, health-promoting diet, looking at nutrient density is how we're going to establish that pillar of nourishment in our diet. Okay, let's go on to our third pillar, which is satisfaction. And I know I touched briefly on satiation um, when we were talking about balance, but satiation and satisfaction are not the same thing. And I'm going to talk about how they differ in a minute. But satisfaction is the enjoyment that you're getting out of your food. If you don't like what you're eating, you're not going to be able to eat that sustainably or for a very long period of time consistently, right? If you don't like what you're doing, that greatly decreases the odds that you're going to be able to be consistent in that habit. So this is why satisfaction is a very important pillar of an overall sustainable diet because you have to be able to enjoy what you're doing. Now, this doesn't mean only choosing foods that are hyper palatable and produce those huge reward signals, right? You got to find foods that also incorporate those elements of balance and nourishment that you truly enjoy. So, I mean, this can just be as simple as like, if you don't like broccoli, don't eat broccoli. Find another vegetable that you like. If you don't like 
steamed vegetables, try roasting them, try sauteing them. There's different ways that you can incorporate those nourishing foods in a way that can produce satisfaction for you. So it can just take a little bit of time and effort to find that, but it's definitely worth it. And then, you know, continuing on this pillar of satisfaction, not being afraid to include foods that you enjoy, knowing that you're putting them in the context of nourishment and balance. So if you really like Ritz crackers, right? (laughs) Those are going to be a food that may not be as high on the nourishment scale. But if they offer that satisfaction factor for you that no other cracker does, then including them with a meal of tuna salad and baby carrots and avocado and Ritz crackers. You have now put those crackers in the context of balance because you have all three macronutrients, right? The tuna would give you protein. The avocado would give you fat. The crackers and the carrots are there to provide carbohydrates. You have it in the context of nourishment. You're getting vitamins, minerals, omegas from the tuna. You're getting magnesium and potassium and fats from the avocado. You're getting vitamin A and vitamin C from the carrots. And then you have your Ritz crackers, which are providing other simple carbohydrates. So you have those in the context of balance and nourishment. And bringing in that satisfaction factor does nothing to detract from that plate. It actually makes it a more well-rounded plate for you because you'll actually enjoy eating it. (laughs) Okay, so those are our three pillars, balance, nourishment, and satisfaction. I think the telltale sign that one of those areas is lacking is not being able to reach the point of satiation after your meal or your snack. So like I was saying, satisfaction and satiation differ. Satisfaction is enjoying what you're eating. Satiation is reaching the point of being disinterested in food. Like you have your meal, your snack, and then you feel like you're done. You reach the point of being finished and disinterested. If you are not reaching that point after most of your meals and snacks, you're either not getting enough balance, getting enough nourishment, or getting enough satisfaction in your overall diet. So it's going to be up to you to kind of self-assess and go through those pillars and look at where you're lacking. Another point, which isn't actually included in these three pillars is, you know, a factor that could prevent you from reaching satiation could also be just not eating enough food. (laughs) So that's kind of a different topic altogether, but that could also prevent you from reaching that satiation point. Obviously, if you're chronically under eating, you're not going to get to the point where you're feeling disinterested in food. (laughs) But um, we're going to assume that we're eating adequate calories. And if you are are still feeling like you're not reaching the point of satiation, that disinterest in food by the time you were experiencing those physical fullness cues, then we're lacking somewhere, either in the balance, in the nourishment, or in the satisfaction category. So do kind of a little self-assessment if you feel like you're not reaching that point and ask yourself, okay, am I Am I creating balanced meals throughout the day? Am I creating nourishing meals throughout the day? Am I including satisfactory foods throughout the day? 
And it's really important to look at it from the start of your day to the end of your day. Because if you're lacking in any of those categories, like right off the jump, then that can influence how you're feeling by the end of the day. So all three of those factors are very important to start looking at, you know, from your first meal to your last meal of the day. Okay, so those are the three pillars of sustainability. And we're going to kind of go into talking about PEC plates and 2MAX snacks and how they support these pillars and kind of talk about the origin story (laughs) of these frameworks. I don't think it'll be as exciting as like Batman Begins or something, but, you know, entertaining in its own right. So if you don't know what PEC plates and 2MAX snacks are, um, those are my two frameworks for creating balanced, nourishing, and satisfying meals and snacks. Our PEC plates are going to be our meal template and our 2MAX snack is our snack template, obviously. So these frameworks really came about in 2020, COVID year. (laughs) I was going through my dietetic internship and this was actually the first time I had ever tracked my intake. I had never tracked my calories or my macros or anything like that before this spring summer. So it's been about three years ago now, which is so funny because I feel like I've been talking about these forever (laughs) and it's only been about three years. But as I was going through the process of beginning to track my food, really knowing how to apply the knowledge of macronutrients to my own diet and to my own body composition goals, I was looking at the commonality of my plates and my snacks. And I realized that these templates were aligned with my macronutrient ratio that I was aiming for. Um, And I could do that by just aiming for the framework and not necessarily aiming for a specific macro target. Like I could hit my numbers if I just focused on the framework and I didn't have to focus on hitting the actual like number, if that makes sense. So it was basically just a super simplified way to make sure that I was hitting the macronutrient ratio that I was looking for without having to tediously track everything which I was (laughs) still tracking anyway, because that was my first experience with it. And I wanted to make sure that I was hitting the numbers. But I realized that these frameworks could be implemented without having to track and could produce the same macro split. So this is how PEC plates and 2MAX snacks were born. So let's get into our PEC plate, what it is, what it means, what it stands for, and how to implement them. So PEC plate, it stands for protein, energy, and color. So P is for protein, obviously, E for energy, and that's where we kind of combine our other two macronutrients, our fats and our carbohydrates. I really like combining them into this energy category because especially when we're looking at it from a body composition lens, as in you're looking at it, you're looking at using PEC plates to change your body composition. The biggest factors in doing that are your calorie range, hitting your protein target, and then maintaining your food quality, which allows you to maintain the volume of your diet. Those are going to be the three big factors that will allow you to create the sustainability needed to be 
in a slight caloric deficit long enough to produce body composition change. So what that means is your ratio of carbohydrates to fats isn't really a major determining factor in changing your body composition, in losing fat. If you are <laughs> if you are a performance athlete, then looking at your carbohydrates versus fat is going to be much more important, right? This is not the population I'm talking to. We're talking about in general, general population. You're working out, but you're not, you know, looking to be an elite athlete. You're just looking to make sustainable changes that will produce fat loss in your diet or just produce a healthy macronutrient distribution. Being able to combine carbohydrates and fats into that energy category, I think just really lessens the amount (laughs) of things that you need to be thinking about. You know, you're still looking at that balance element, making sure that overall we're getting enough fat and carbohydrates, but the actual numerical grams amount of them doesn't equate to producing or having a large effect on your body composition if you're hitting your calorie range target, eating enough protein, and continuing to uphold diet quality and eating enough volume. So that is why I think combining those two macronutrients into an energy category just makes it a lot more simplistic to think about. And then C, that is our color. And we're looking for fruits and veggies on the plate. So again, this is where that nourishment factor comes in. And I really like having color being differentiated from the energy category as well, because I think so many people get hung up with looking at how many different types of like carbs or, and really it's carbs, looking at how many different types of carbs they have on their plate. And I don't ever want someone to not put a fruit or vegetable on their plate because they already have some other type of carbohydrate on their plate. Like if you're eating a sandwich, And you think to yourself, well, I'm not going to add fruit because fruit is a carb and I already have bread and that's a carb. No, that is not (laughs) what we want. We always want to add that color component because, again, that's going to be our biggest bang for our buck as far as nourishment goes. Fruits and vegetables bring so much volume to your diet and they bring so much nutrition that it's almost never worth not including them in your diet. So I also love having multiple different types of carbohydrate and or multiple types of fat on your plate because variety is the key when we're looking at sustainability and we're looking at nutrient density as well. So I wouldn't be afraid of including multiple sources, right? Again, that's why I like having the energy category differentiate from the color category because even if your plate is balanced and you have all three macronutrients there, but there's not any color on your plate, add some color. Go out of your way to add some baby carrots or an apple or some grapes or berries, whatever you have on hand to add that color component because eating more fruits and vegetables is not ever going to hurt. Okay. So that's our PEC plate, protein, energy, and color. We're looking for those three things to be on our plate. As far as looking at the ratio of our plate, how much protein, how much energy, how much color, this is going to vary a little bit. And 
if you're simultaneously tracking macros, then you'll have those goals and you'll know what to include. But if you're just looking at it from a point of not having those numbers guiding you, there are ways to create the plate ratio that we're looking for. So when we're talking about protein, one of the easiest ways to do this is to use your hand. So if you are looking at your hand, it's an open palm. We really want at least an open palm sized portion of lean protein on your plate at three meals a day. Typically, the framework that I set my clients up with is three PEC plates and two two max snacks a day. Sometimes that looks more like three (laughs) snacks and two plates or even four snacks and two plates, just depending on what your schedule is, what you have access to, what you have time to do. Sometimes breakfast looks kind of a little bit more like a snack than a meal or lunch does or, you know, whatever your day is. But I'm at least aiming for those two to three PEC plates a day. Okay, so with our protein component, open palm-sized portion of lean protein. And of course, this is easiest to see <laughs> when all the components are, are separate, right? So if you have like chicken breast for protein, roasted potatoes for energy, and steamed broccoli for your color, right? So you'd have your chicken for your protein, your roasted potatoes give you carbs, the cooking oil gives you fat, and steamed broccoli gives you your color. So it's really easy to see when the components are separated. But many, many meals like casseroles and soups are basically built-in PEC plates already, right? (laughs) All this stuff is just kind of jumbled together. So once you get a hang of looking at those components, then having something like a casserole or a soup or um, some sort of mixed salad or something like that, you'll be able to see the components that are there and feel comfortable with determining what you need more of, what you need less of, how you can make that um, an adequate PEC plate. So don't fret about that. Those things definitely fit into this framework. But again, back to when we're when we're assessing our protein type. We want it to be a lean protein, which for my definition, that means the majority of the calories from that food are coming from protein. So where you really need to watch this is when you're looking at choosing cuts of meat. You want to look for cuts of meat like ground, any type of ground meat. Make sure it's at least 93% lean. That goes for chicken, that goes for turkey, that goes for ground beef. When you're looking for red meat, look for things like loins. Those typically are going to be leaner cuts. And then for chicken, chicken breast, chicken tenders, those are going to be your best bets there. And even things like pork chops, flank steak, sirloin steak, Oh, fish, duh, seafood. (laughs) So shrimp, salmon, any type of white fish, tuna, those are all great options as well. I, again, have several resources about PEC plates and types of protein and things like that on my social media, as well as in the 7 Days of Simple Meals ebook that I wrote earlier this year. 
Um, and it really gives so many examples of PEC plates and what the pillars of a sustainable diet are and kind of goes through further explanation of all these frameworks. So if you want a place to start, I think that is a fantastic resource as well. Okay, so that's our protein ratio on our plate. Open palm size portion of protein. Energy, depending on what the type is, but if we're talking about a starchy carbohydrate that is cooked with some type of fat, that's typically how it goes, right? Any type of roasted starch or any type of grain with, you know, a sauce or cheese or oil in it. Most of the time looking for like a loose, closed fist size of that starchy carbohydrate. And then for our, if you're looking at fats, adding whatever fat it is to that, one to two tablespoons is typically adequate also depending on the type of protein that you're using, right? So if it's a protein like salmon that has a little bit of higher fat content, then that can count for your fat on your plate. So again, just being aware of where your fat sources are coming from and knowing that if you have a fat source on the plate, then that's adequate. And then lastly, your color component, basically, you know, half the plate being made up of whatever non-starchy vegetable or higher fiber fruit you choose. So that is typically more than one serving of fruit or vegetables. But if all you have is, you know, a piece of fruit or whatever, that's that's great too. So I mean, really, again, you cannot, <laughs> can't go overboard there. What we're looking for is five servings minimum of produce per day. So however that shakes out, it shakes out across your day. Um, and you also have your snacks where you can get in that color component as well. So those are PEC plates. And again, I just think it's a really simplified framework encompassing those three pillars of a sustainable diet um, and also adding up to that macronutrient distribution that can support a healthy body composition. All right, two max snacks. This framework is super simple and just has a catchy little name, but we're just looking for the combination of two different macronutrients when we're making a snack. And that is mainly for the satiation factor of that snack, right? Being able to create a snack that's substantial enough <laughs> that you eat it and then it can actually sustain you until your next eating opportunity. Um, I think a lot of people look at snacks and they either try not to eat them because you've heard snacking is bad or, you know, you think just the least amount you can eat between your meals is going to be better. And I don't think that is the case. Snacks are a great way to, you know, kind of audit your nutrition throughout the day and think, okay, what could I have had more of at my last meal that I can incorporate at this snack? Or what is my eating window? How long do I have until I'm planning on eating dinner? What am I doing between now and then? How do I need to make sure my body is fueled so that I don't show up to my next meal hangry? <laughs> Their snacks are just really great ways to continue to fuel and sustain your body throughout the day. And newsflash, spoiler you know, 100 calorie packs are not going to get the job done, okay? <laughs> we need substantially more calories than that to actually create a snack that's going to stick with you and do its job, which is to sustain you between meals. So looking at building a two-max snack, 
combining two different macronutrients. So that's either protein and carbs, protein and fat, or fat and carbs. Again, I have resources about this on my Instagram, multiple posts. If you search the hashtags PEC plate or 2Mac snack, you know, multiple posts will come up. And again, that ebook is a fantastic resource to start. But the caveat with creating a 2Mac snack is when we're looking at that combination of carbohydrates and fats. You know, something like chips <laughs> is technically that combination, right? But we want to prioritize carbs and or fats that have a little bit of protein or a little bit of fiber with them. So that kind of rules out those highly processed options. So when we're looking at creating two max snacks that are that carbohydrate and fat option, you know, something like some type of fruit and nut butter, right? Fruit would give us the fiber. Nut butter has a little bit of protein with it. That would be a much more filling and nutritious carb and fat combination to max snack. Or something like hummus and carrots, right? Hummus gives that fat source. It has a little bit of protein as well. Carrots are our carb. They also provide a little bit of fiber. So really, really looking at incorporating fruits and vegetables, especially when you're looking at those carbohydrate and fat components of a 2MAX snack. I also think snacks are a really clutch way to incorporate much more protein in your diet. Y'all know I'm always going to be like a food first focused type of RD. I will always say, you know, get the majority of your macros and your micros from your diet where you can based on whole food sources. But when it comes to protein, I think things like protein bars and protein shakes are so clutch because it's hard <laughs> to eat that much protein at your meals. It's hard. That would be consuming a lot of chicken breast, right? Most people are going to reach the point of true satiation before they're eating enough protein at those meals at like in this day and age, right? Because typically we're not moving around as much. We have so many other options that are more enjoyable than eating <laughs> protein like that. So I think that is totally, totally, totally fine to prioritize those protein supplements at your snacks. Um, and I think it's a, actually a great time to do that. So again, that's just a really great way to fill in the gaps of your diet and think, okay, if I'm going to hit the amount of protein that I want to hit, then I need to include, you know, this protein shake and then some sort of other macronutrient with that. If that looks like I'll typically do like a protein supplement with a piece of fruit, but you could also do boiled eggs that give you even a little bit more of a boost of protein and the fat from the yolk, anything that floats your boat. But again, I think snacks are a great way to look at filling in the gaps of your diet and look at giving your body what it needs, but also doing it in an enjoyable way. Okay, those are my frameworks of PEC plates to max snacks. That's how they kind of fit into this overall picture of creating balance, nourishment, and satisfaction in your diet, which is ultimately what's going to add up to creating that sustainability that we're looking for that will produce enough consistency to, to see results. So if you're listening to this episode and you want more information, please feel free to message me on Instagram. If you need the link for the ebook, it's right there in my bio. 
And I hope that when you're looking at your diet this week, you can implement these principles of balance, nourishment, and satisfaction via the creation of PEC plates and two max snacks. So I hope you all have a great week. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health. Or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, hopewellhealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. Catch you next time.